Hey everybody, Joe here from the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. If you enjoy what we do here on the show and you think it's worth your hard-earned money, you can support the show via Patreon. Just a $1 donation gets you access to bonus episodes, our Discord, and regular episodes before everybody else. If you donate at an elevated level, you get even more bonus content. A digital copy of my book, The Hooligans of Kandahar, and a sticker from our Teespring store. Our show will always be ad-free and is totally supporter-driven. We use that money to pay our bills, buy research materials that make this show possible, and support charities like the Kurdish Red Crescent, the Flint Water Fund, and the Halo Trust. Consider joining the Legion of the Old Crow today. And now back to the show. Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. I am Joe, and with me today is Sarah from It Came From The Sea podcast and our official white Korean cultural liaison uh, on staff. What's up? Literally the whitest person you could find who could technically speak Korean. Hello. Yeah, uh, Scarlett Johansson was unavailable for this role. It's unfortunate. (laughs) Um, But I mean, admittedly, I did not know this ever happened until we talked about it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what we're going to talk about today. So it only felt right to drag you on. Um, not to mention you speak fluent Korean and can Ooh. immediately. <laughs> <laughs> you you speak first best Korean on the show. Uh, I speak second best. <laughs> um, because uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people whenever we talk about uh, history that happened in their country or their culture or whatever, they're like, oh, he fucking pronounced this wrong. Now that can happen in real time. (laughs) Uh, I can correct your pronunciation. I do have that down at least. (laughs) Yeah. um, And that like, so if there's any Koreans listening, if she fucks up, Mm. that is um, not my fault. (laughs) No, blame him. (laughs) Uh, Also, if you blame me, it's the patriarchy. So that's fair. Yeah. (laughs) It's actually Nick's fault because he's not here. Um, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, you made a joke last time on the show that you're slowly going to uh, s- take over Nick's role. That's becoming an <laughs> actual problem. Him. Yeah, uh, this is what he gets for yeah. having a life. I know, bastard, and his job. <laughs> uh, yeah, Nick is in the middle of moving. Uh, he should be back on the show uh, whenever you know he has a stable internet connection and uh, privacy. Which, as anybody who's ever had to. <laughs> stay with their family for a week or two knows that's fucking impossible. Um, especially as someone in their mid twenties. Um, so today we are talking, if I could, you know, remember to put my script up like I do this for a living or something is, uh, uh this is known by a, a few different names. I believe in Korea, it's known as the Shilmido incident. Um, I'm calling it the Shilmido mutiny because I feel like that is more apt. The the um, word incident is just a thing that they do in Korea where they throw it after. A lot of times it's like a date and they'll just go with like, it's the the June 23rd incident. So it's not like that's how they're describing it. That's just like a cultural thing. It's kind of like the when the British call thing, like a, a vastly underestimate and uh, like undername horrible incident, horrible <laughs> things that have occurred. It's just, it's uh, less like, I feel like the Brits do it to downplay stuff on purpose. And this is just like how they, how they refer to things in Korea. They're not like yeah, trying to say like, oh, it was just a little bit of a mutiny, just a light mutiny. It's fine. <laughs> it it also makes um, uh, like researching kind of hard because it just refers mm. to like dates and, yeah. and unit numbers. Yep. Um, it's 
unlike my favorite Korean war film with like the the flag unit or whatever it was called. Um, that movie is so <laughs> incredibly bad. It's good. Um, it peak Korean cheese. You got to give it credit for a uh, a rep- I'm going to say South Korean um, for sake of clarity through this, but like we could, it's also the Republic of Korea or the rock mm-hmm. uh, for a rock made war film. It actually covers uh, rock war crimes, which is new. Um, so you got to get like you do, in fact, have to hand it to whoever made that film. I, whose name I forget. Surprisingly um, balanced. Yeah. Which like from my understanding is 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 a, a relatively recent thing because you know they went through a very long period of dictatorship and oppression mm-hmm. uh which we will talk about a little bit during this episode uh and like uh for instance like the shilmido mutiny until a movie was made called shilmido uh, most people had never fucking heard of it uh and that was on purpose right yeah it was a little <laughs> embarrassing <laughs> you know i when you originally described this to me i thought it sounded <laughs> stupid and it is um but <laughs> It's so much dumber than I ever thought possible. Um, it, people forget that in like between between the end of the Korean War and the start of like I think in like the mid '80s when South Korea became a bigger economic powerhouse, they were just as dumb as North Korea in a lot of ways. Like they they were doing the same kind of weird shit as North Korea, and it's just that they pulled like one the U.S. was on their side, so the U.S. downplayed all this bullshit. But also, they managed to pull themselves out of a, out of an economic slump, and so everybody was just like, "Well, they're doing fine now. We could ignore all the weird dictatorships and coups." Yeah, um, this is one situation where they tried to do the same thing as North Korea, but failed <laughs> in every conceivable way. <laughs> it's so much worse. <laughs> um, so this is for people who are like have no idea what we're talking about, um, which is fine because again, this is this isn't wasn't even known in South Korea until like 20 years ago. Um, we're going to talk about the time the South Korean government attempted to form an assassination squad mm-hmm. out of criminals uh, only for it to attempt to kill their own president. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in order to talk about how the fuck that happened or why anybody thought this is a good idea, we have to talk about probably one of the ballsiest and also dumbest assassination plots of all time, the raid on the blue house. Um, I love this. Uh, for people unaware, the blue house is the presidential uh, house the of South Korea. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's straight it, up it, a looks, it looks baller as fuck. Like, mm-hmm. it, like if I'm picking a palace to live in, White House, Blue House, Blue House wins blue house. ten times out of ten. It is straight baller status. Like, if you're gonna despot your shit up, you're gonna build something like this. Oh yeah. Now, granted, I mean that's newer, but like. Yeah, the the White House looks plain. This this is like you'd go on cribs to go inside it's the not, blue house. It's not like a full blue building, if that's what people are picturing. It's just that it has the shiniest, prettiest blue tiles all over the roof. Yeah, it, I guess that's a weird way to come up with that. I mean, being a puppet for the U.S. as it was for a very, very long time, I guess they just have to like kind of, eh, fuck it, we have to have our own White House. Though a lot yeah. of countries uh, try to come up with kitschy names for their presidential houses, which is weird I don't get it. um yeah it's maybe you don't have palaces what? or presidents uh <laughs> but if you're gonna have a palace model it after the blue house yeah um it's got style now we we have lived through increasingly weird uh times recently no. uh, in regards to north and south korea uh 
you know, this went from uh, threatening war, uh, now that's mostly in us, um, to the presidents of the two countries joining hands and skipping across uh, the point of no return and Pamujan. Uh, it's all very weird. But, uh, you know, there was also that time a nuclear alarm went off in Hawaii because they oh, yeah. thought that the North, it was an accident, but it was also kind of a, a real threat that North Korea might nuke us. Um, that was scary and- for people living here. Yeah, people always tell me about like, oh god, and then like their eyes kind of just drop a little bit. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, it, it's it's an event that stuck with all, everybody who lived through it uh, because you know it's a very real threat that like I'm about to be burnt out of existence. Um, and there's only two other cities of people I know that's that, what that's like. Um, and you know, there was also that one really weird incident where a North Korean soldier like fucking ran across the border while getting shot at by his buddies. Um, there was uh, the South Korean ship that was torpedoed. Mm, um, yeah. This is all, you know, 10 years in the last 10 years or so, um, I think. But and, and, yeah. Yeah, there was, there's a lot going on there, around 2010. And the, the, when they, sh- when the, the North uh, shelled an island, they which, Lipido, you know, yeah. Yeah. And like that, outright belligerent acts of war um and you know, for people who are young or young adjacent like me um <laughs> this when, like when i was watching this show in the news like it was very obvious that uh the north sank a ship killed tens of uh i believe is what rock sailors i don't i um, think they still you still can't technically say the north did it because the like results were inconclusive of the investigation it's the implication. Well, <laughs> maybe they shelled themselves is what I'm saying. Yeah, like, you know, well, they uh, they they sank a ship. They shelled an island. Um, almost certainly. So, like, a when bunch you, of when drones we... were found along the DMZ at one point, which was fun. Yeah. Uh, and, like, they found, pe- like, very obvious signs of infiltration across the border, which is something that was supposed to end a long time ago. Um but like you know, when we see things like the oh shit, a war's popping off, like this is absolutely going to kick this off. But this is these things are all very, very. I'm trying to think of a better word to say it. Uh, expected. Not that serious. Yeah, they're expected, and they're also not that serious uh, when you look at what is effectively recent history. You know, this is uh, not in our lifetime, but in our parents' lifetime. Um, right. When, uh, for starters, shooting across the DMZ was a daily occurrence. Um, and that does happen now occasionally. Um, but what I mean is like straight up ambushes. Uh, like yeah. American and rock soldiers would be walking along and fall into an L-shaped ambush by North Koreans in South Korea. And then like the South would infiltrate. Like they sent thousands of infiltrators across to ambush North Koreans and like kill guards in their posts and things like that. Yeah, um, and it was all and, just like both sides would constantly bicker about where the DMZ's borders actually were. And right. So that's that's a lot of why none of this stuff ever like ended up escalating is because there's just constant fighting over like what what borders are. And so anytime one one side like attacks the other, they just say, "Well, no, technically they were in our land because we decided that it's Wednesday and our border was three miles farther south than it normally is." Right. It's. Almost like borders are arbitrary and pointless. Uh, and that brings us back to the Blue House Raid, which occurred in 1968. And this also happened to be right in the middle of one of the worst upticks in violence since the end of open hostilities of the Korean War. Um, 
And it's almost certainly only because America was balls deep in the Vietnam War by then that it did not spiral into something much, much worse. Um, because to be clear, Park wanted to go back to war. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Park, yeah. Park Chung-hee of South Korea. Um, Chung-hee, yeah. Um, but... I don't mean to say in his defense because he's a soulless <laughs> bastard. Um, he's a real I don't piece of blame shit. him. I don't blame him. Um, yeah. Some people call this period the second Korean War because it kind of was. Um, this is like before when I was talking about ambushes on the on the DMZ. Those are isolated incidents. They weren't um, offensives. Right. But uh, d- during the second Korean War period, full formations of North, South, and American soldiers were attacking one another with artillery and air support. Yep. Um, this escalation of violence is directly connected to the Vietnam War in some ways. The U.S. and South Korea had large amounts of soldiers committed to the war. Uh, this led to the North Korean dictator Kim Il-sung to believe that now was the time that irregular warfare could drive a wedge between the U.S. and South Korea. For instance, if he kept raiding across the border, South Korea would pull its soldiers out of Vietnam and then lead to them not being like friendship canceled between <laughs> South Korea and the U.S. or whatever. Um, this would lead to the U.S. counter uh, countering that move by pulling out of South Korea. And that would put North in a position to finally force reunification on South Korea. Uh, also, South Korea is undergoing some pretty con- uh, considerable uh, civil unrest at the time yeah. because, you know, dictators will do that to people. Um, so he believed that in a, a regular war campaign would be able to foment some kind of insurgency in South Korea, as well as fuck with the American and South Korean relationship. Yeah. Obviously, this didn't happen, hmm. um, but like it wasn't from a lack plan. of trying. Yeah. People. So that's another thing, too, is like. Up until up until like seventies eighties, there were there was a real thought uh, that people in South Korea would want to defect North Korea, and that they could they could build this like underground friends of North Korea alliance in South Korea and try to get support like within the ROK, which sounds ridiculous now, but at the time North Korea was doing way better economically, mostly because they yes. had a bunch of support <laughs> from China and the USSR, but. Like, like that wasn't impossible as much as no. we like all make fun of North Korea now like that plan wasn't the worst at the it was the most realistic plan for a reunification North Korea's ever had after yeah. losing the war oh yeah um and the friends of North Korea I believe is what's the friendship association yeah. of North Korea is the probably one of the funniest things because they have a website that looks like it's out of GeoCities <laughs> from the 90s yeah is it still um, up I haven't looked at it in a while I, I think it is, and it's ran by a single Venezuelan guy, or <laughs> Colombian guy, one of the two. I gotta look it up now. Yeah, I know that's uh, the stories that people will, like, giggle about, like, oh, Kim Il-sung doesn't have a butthole. That <laughs> website is where those came from. Okay, yep, it's the, the Korean Friendship yes. Association, USA! Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got the and, whole, uh, like, they were all born on Mount Pekdu under a double rainbow. Yep. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, and it has uh, the banner is currently uh, Kim Jong Un and his I believe it's his sister, right? Yeah. The, the next one in charge, probably. Yeah. Uh, and it just runs what is uh, I get you could almost certainly call propaganda on the front page, despite oh, the fact sure. American citizens cannot currently travel to North Korea. There is a travel button. Well, you know, <laughs> you can dream. Yeah. Visit, visit uh, the it, website. Don't give it money. For the it has not been updated since August of 2019. Um, so there's that. Um, Nothing big's happened yeah. in the last year. It's fine. 
Yeah, don't give don't give North Korea money. Uh, but yeah, I think it's safe to say that that plan was the closest and most realistic they had to reunification. Um, but it, yeah, it didn't work. Uh, but part of this campaign of irregular warfare was hit and run attacks across the DMZ, um, mm-hmm. as well as artillery strikes, ambushes. You know, uh, they, this is also the same around the same time they captured the Pueblo. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was in January. Uh, yeah, which well, actually I think it happened right after the Blue House raid, uh, yeah. which is why most Ameri- like the Blue House raid hardly even made the news in the U.S. Well, it didn't affect <laughs> Americans is the thing. Yeah, um, which we talked about that in a previous episode. Go listen to it. Um, but the, you know, this you know, before uh, single casualties were pretty common across the DMZ, but uh, during the same time, hundreds of South Korean and uh, North Korean troops were killed, but as well as 150 American casualties. Really? Um, you know, if you think of any other time where 150 Americans could get killed and we wouldn't start a war over it, uh, I like I guess the Beirut bombing comes to mind, <laughs> but that's pretty much it. But yeah, like there was a fair amount of ca- I mean, in comparison to the Vietnam War, these casualties were nothing. Mm. But also I reading over this, it's it's kind of astounding that we didn't start a, a war over it. Uh, I, obviously, the idea that we'd have to fight China at the same time, you know. <laughs> Never had to fight China and Vietnam, though. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, Vietnam took care of that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but another part of this uh, was a decapitation strike of the assassina- assassination of South Korean dictator uh, Pak Chung-hee, who Pak. seized power in 1961 and been running the country in the, a kind of a form of military dictatorship ever since, mm-hmm. uh, strangling the Second Republic of Korea in its womb before <laughs> it could even really exist. Ew. Weird how that keeps happening. Um now, in order to do this, uh, North Korea had to put it, uh, together a sp- specific team I'd call the Juche version of the A-team, <laughs> known as Unit 124, uh, because, and, you know, so I think I talked about this before on the Pueblo episode. We're talking about North Korea. So a lot of the, what I'm saying is secondhand. Um, mm-hmm. We don't know anything for sure. <laughs> um, so there is one member of the team that, stayed in the South Korea and was captured. Pretty much everything we know about 124 comes from him, and he could be making himself sound way cooler than he actually is. Uh, or way worse. We don't know. We legitimately have no fucking idea. Um, and from my understanding, that's pretty much on par for bits on North Korea in general. Yeah, usually the best you can do is if you can get two defectors from like that are talking about a similar thing and then compare their stories. Uh, like that's how we know so much about that really awful prison camp. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately, the two people did survive 124. One is in North Korea, one is in South Korea. They have much different stories. <laughs> Weird that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so nobody really knows when this unit was formed because, again, North Korea. Mm. But thanks to one of the soldiers in it, we do know some things. It was formed at least two years before the mission took place, and the people in it had to be handpicked by the highest levels of the North Korean military and political leadership. Um, because they were going across the border, they had to be uh, considered politically pure and well-educated. Uh, there's a very good chance that Kim Il-sung interviewed these people uh, himself, uh, which, you know, props. It, yeah. If you would survive, how many people could say that? <laughs> right. Wild. Um and they went through almost two years of unbroken training, uh, and it sounds pretty fucking nightmarish. They were forced to sprint uh, straight up mountainsides wearing heavy packs that weighed at least 60 to 80 pounds, 
throughout the year, including winter. Oh, um, Korean winter. And as any <laughs> as anybody who's been to Korea can testify, the Korean winter is fucking awful. Um, and this caused several candidates to lose toes and entire feet to frostbite. Yep, that's not surprising. Yeah. Um, now, in order to break them in a fear that they'd almost certainly <laughs> face when you know infiltrating an enemy country, uh, they were forced to go to the local cemetery and dig into graves to sleep for the night. I feel like that. Yeah, like that would um, only work the first couple of times, and after a while, you're just like, okay, I don't know, just another dead like, body. <laughs> Uh, there was also a practical part of it. Uh, one of their escape plans was to hide in cemeteries uh, because uh, after they killed the the president, which honestly, I think this is mostly just wishful thinking because right. I think they all assumed they were going to die in the effort, um, that they would hide in the cemeteries in South Korea because nobody would bother to look there. This sounds like, like they're doing their orientation and someone's like, all right, so that's the plan. That's how we're going to get up to kill the president. And then one of the recruits raises his hand and goes, how do we get back, though? <laughs> the teacher is just like oh, I don't fucking know uh, bury yourself in a cemetery for a few weeks we'll come for you and it's like a couple months from the, like I can't believe we're actually training to do this <laughs> uh, but after two years of training uh, the unit was decided was the, the whole plan for the unit was known before this but they were decided to finally be told what they were actually going to do uh, now that the unit was down to 31 men they were brought to a briefing room and told that their mission was, in fact, raiding the Blue House and killing Pak Chung-hee in what was almost certainly a suicide mission. Like, man, I trained all this time just to fucking die? This sucks. What would they... Just, what do you think you're training for? <laughs> we went through all of this. Like, what, what did you think you were going to do, huh? And then they were brought to a top-secret area uh, where a complete by-the-spec recreation of the Blue House had been built. Hell yeah. um, I don't know how the man to keep that one secret. Right, <laughs> they made the tiles a different color. It was green, not blue. So none of the like, none of the photos of it from overhead. They, they would never suspect it. Like some South Korean la- or North Korean laborers had the bill. Was like, this looks kind of familiar, doesn't it? Like, kill them. <laughs> we can't get out oh, for sure. <laughs> they um, didn't survive. Yeah, almost early now. Like, thank you for your service to our dear leader. Now, if you follow this man with a machine gun, he'll bring you to where we're keeping your Christmas bonuses. <laughs> and then the next um, day, all the recruits had to go dig up their corpses so they could sleep with them. <laughs> uh, after that, uh, the, the 31 men of the team trained almost consistently. Uh, you would think that this would uh, be... Like for another like year or so, right? Like, right. Uh, you already have these guys as a captive audience. They only trained with the recreation of the Blue House for fifteen days. What the? F- <laughs> After two years of running up mountains and shit, they only get fifteen days of practical training. I mean, I guess because they have to like Seoul's pretty close to the border, but it's not that close to the border, so it would definitely take them a lot more time and effort just to get to the Blue House. Would yeah, you, like. Can you- <laughs> me- Maybe trained, I don't know, ninja shit. Like, how to get to the blue house without getting caught. No, no, no. Gotta run up more hills and then sleep with another corpse. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, they show up to the blue house and like, just like when you cram for a test and then you immediately forget everything. (laughs) You just can't get anywhere inside. So one of them pulls a corpse out of a backpack and just starts (laughs) snuggling it on the floor. (laughs) 
Um, so yeah, uh, then in uh, January 17th, 1968, they were dispatched toward the DMZ where they cut a hole in the fence near where the U.S. Army sector was. I believe it was the 2nd Infantry Division. Good job, guys. Um, yeah, way to go, boys. Uh, you did it. Um, one and job. Uh, they, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I have I have shirked my way through many of guard duties, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't think I've ever let some North Korean commandos slip through. At least you can um, say that. Yeah, take that, Grandpa. <laughs> um, now, uh, they slipped through the fence and they went up to the uh, Simbong Mountains. I'm Shin- sure. Shinbong. Shinbong. Probably Shinbong, actually. Probably. Um, S-I-M Bong. <laughs> it's Bong. It's definitely Bong. It's fine. Go on. <laughs> Just keep going. Uh, but they made it up to the Shimbong Mountains in about two days uh, of nonstop marching. There they set up a camp. Uh, unfortunately, this is where it turns out that their training was kind of garbage. Um, because for all of their skill and guile, four brothers who are out cutting firewood ran directly into the commandos. <laughs> like They didn't account for people. Fuck. <laughs> Uh, why didn't anybody teach us how to hide our trails? Instead, we've just been sleeping with corpses and uh, doing ninja shit in the mountains. <laughs> the dead people uh, never noticed us. <laughs> the cemeteries never saw us coming. Um, and there, the, a debate started amongst the commandos if they should just execute the four. Um, which, I mean, uh, from a pure practicality yes, case, yeah, yes, probably. You, you kill those four brothers. You're going yeah. to execute the president. Yeah. Why is killing these, like, you're, in, and the mountains are incredibly remote. Just knife them and throw them into a ditch. Um, I mean, I'm not saying this is a good plan, no, but you're also on a suicide mission to execute yeah. a president. You're balls deep in this assassination attempt in January. Don't fuck it up. Yeah, it turns out they were actually only just the tip in um, because <laughs> they decided uh, to just instead of killing them to teach them about the glories of Kim Il-sung and communism. See, this is the problem with people who are ideologically pure. <laughs> they just want to go on about theory all the fucking time. Nobody cares. Nobody yeah, wants I, to hear about it. Sarah, this went on for hours. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> like, like five or six hours. Like Five or six hours oh of God. these of these commandos preaching theory to them. Um, after that, they, they, they allow they the brothers to the, leave. The tenants of Juche one more time. They'll get it. Just just one more time. It'll make sense. Yeah. And they're like, okay, uh, obviously you guys are good communists now. You're free to go. But please, Pinky, promise that you can't go to the cops. Um, <laughs> so the brother's like... Yeah, for yes, sure, dude. No, for we sure. won't go to the cops. Yeah. And then immediately went to the first cops they saw. <laughs> they could have just like left them tied up, too. Like, you didn't have to kill them. You're, yeah. you're a good little North Korean communist, whatever. Like, you don't want to murder these people that might be your brethren. You can tie them up and leave them alone. I don't know. I, I feel like tying up someone and leaving them in the mountains in January in Korea is just murdering them with extra steps. Well, yeah, but then they don't have to think about it. That's, That's what true. the extra steps are for. <laughs> I mean, look, I might be sympathetic to your cause, um, but if you sit me down and preach theory at me for six hours, I, I might you. call the cops too. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, look, man, I was on your side with like blowing up the president and stuff, yeah. but like, this shit sucks, bro. <laughs> That's a good point too. Like, you could have just told them, hey, we're going to go murder that dictator. There's a decent chance they would have been okay with it. Yeah. Or be like, you know what I did before I came here? I got like my free state grain. 
um, that you don't have because you're out here like chopping up firewood in the middle of winter. We just got that given to us, and now we're gonna go kill your dictator. You down? The Pope, like, yeah, man. Yeah, Word. <laughs> might be a little more effective than just like reciting Kim Il Sung's tenets at them. It's almost like telling people about the uh, fundamental material changes an ideology can have on their life is much more important than that ideology itself. That doesn't make Weird. any sense. Where's that uh, written and, down? Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm just going to read Bookchin for the next three hours. Um, oh, no. But yeah. anyway, uh, the brothers immediately ran off and called the cops. Right. Um, yeah. Obviously. The cops. Yeah. The, uh, like, dude, there is some fucking commandos up in the mountains and they are boring as shit. <laughs> Um, the cops then called the army who dispatched uh, thousands of people to, to find the infiltrators um, and you know to their credit the infiltrators did break camp they realized that they should probably move um, and then once they saw large formations of troops gathering in towns and stuff they realized that they were kind of fucked um, and there was only a matter of time before they were found and they had to speed up their mission timeline um so they split up into small groups and infiltrated Seoul. Uh, more and more army and police units were set out to secure the surrounding mountains, uh, but you know they were gone. Uh, but as well as the city, that's when the commandos decided to change their tactics. They did have a backup plan, and it wasn't just to like. Well, let me rephrase that. <laughs> their original plan was to be able to get up. It seems to the checkpoints, kill the people in the checkpoints. Uh, and then get into the blue house before anybody could react. The checkpoint's like right? the military like, like border around the blue house, right? Yeah, it's about a hundred meters yeah. away from the house itself. Yeah, I've seen it. Synced it. Yeah, we, it, the 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 checkpoint itself uh, that this all occurred on is still there, and you can see the bullet holes where all this happened at, which is pretty rad. Um, but the problem was this this plan is now fucked because there is literally thousands of soldiers and cops flooding the city, uh, probably assuming like. Why are these communist insurgents so close to the capital? Yeah. This can't be good. They're probably going for the president. Um, at least that's like if I if I was, I don't know, the KCIA at the time, I would be like, hmm, this is probably an assassination attempt of some kind. Considering, considering half of them were planning assassination attempts, they know what one looks like. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, to 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 beat a hustler, you got to be a hustler. Um, <laughs> So they obviously their plan of just him. getting I'm up. I'm trying to kill him. <laughs> Nobody's going to kill the president except me. Uh, unfortunately, someone's definitely going to edit that part out um, <laughs> and use it for bad things. That's how I get you canceled. I've been trying for months. Yeah, uh, I've said "kill the president" so many times during this episode that you could make a highlight reel of it. Um, but. Uh, so obviously they weren't going to be able to get to the outer ring uh, or the the inner ring. Obviously, I'm pretty sure that is the last. Obviously, I've never been uh, given entrance to the Blue House, but I'm pretty sure the outer ring that is I'm, uh, garrisoned by, I believe, the the, the police um, is the last line of defense before like the personal security detachment of the president within the Blue House itself. Um, and, you know, once you engage those dudes in open warfare, I'm pretty I'm, I'm going to roll the dice and, and say that the North Koreans would probably win that in a surprise attack. Um, but that plan is now gone. Uh, so now they have to figure out another way to get close to the Blue House. Thankfully, they had a backup plan, which was pulling out a total uh, recreation of a South Korean army uniform. Yes. Uh, al- <laughs> along with current and uh, and accurate patches for who was patrolling yes. around the Blue House. 
Which just casually rad. act like a South Korean. It'll be fine. No one will notice. Yeah, and the funny part is, is part of these uh, guys' training was they had to learn how to speak like a South Korean because there is a difference in accent, yeah, um, and dialect. Correct. Well, now now it's really bad, um, just because there's been so much time pass and like different. They've had access to different technologies. North Korea refused to use some of the like the Western words for things. So like in um in South Korea, if you're talking about like an elevator, they just say like elevator. It's like elevator, but in Korean. And mm-hmm. in North Korea, they won't use the word elevator. So they have a different word that's like up-down machine. <laughs> I, I got to say, I like that better. I'm, I'm calling it all elevators up-down machines from <laughs> down now on. Machine. Same thing with ice cream, apparently. They don't, they're like, in South Korea, it is just ice cream. And then I don't remember what the word is in North Korean, but it is just like cold milk treat. <laughs> Red. Give me one of them cold milk treats, please. Reject modernity. Embrace <laughs> up-down machine. <laughs> Um, but you know, they did go through apparently a lot of training, uh, to lose their distinctive North Korean accent. They failed miserably. Yeah. It'd be like Um, a bunch of people like showing up and talking like they're from the 19, literally like they're from the 1950s. (laughs) You're going to let me know that president, you see, (laughs) um, so, but this did work to an extent. They changed into the uniforms and simply walked out the street towards oh the blue God. house um, because there were so many military units moving around. They just said that they were a uh, returning anti-infiltration patrol. And this worked through several different checkpoints. Um, and then they got to one checkpoint, the last checkpoint, 100 meters away from the blue house, where they finally met a cop who was apparently good at his job. <laughs> um, the, the, there was actually a police chief who was talking to the head of the North Korean team and realized like, he sounds kind of funny. <laughs> like you sound kind of North Korean, bud. Like, are you North Korean? You can't lie to me. I'm a cop. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, they also asked them questions like why would an anti-infiltration team be coming this way? Cause yeah. soldiers don't protect the president. Yeah. Uh, he led a, a military coup. He knows to keep the army away from him. Kind of a flaw in their whole system, isn't it? Yeah. Um, that's the thing about like despots who ride military power, uh, ride, ride the military to power. They know to keep the military at arm's length because the same thing can happen to them. So yeah. he had a personal security detachment that was all KCIA as well as local cops. How did that so, go? So like, the army wasn't involved. Um, and that's when like the cops started getting... Uh, uh, pretty suspicious uh and then they he noticed the commando team was becoming very uncomfortable uh so he went for his gun and the commandos opened fire on him and killed him and i I believe that that cop is uh like his um the checkpoint's named after him now i believe or at least there's a a memorial named after him uh because if he didn't do his job there's a that's kind of insulting (laughs) (laughs) hey you fucked up and died gonna name it after you I mean, to be fair, if it wasn't for this one guy's yeah. job, his shitty dictator probably would have been killed. That's true. Um, so, I mean, thanks? Yeah, I guess. I mean, the KCIA <laughs> would clean up this mess in, a, yeah, in like a decade. Yeah, give it 12 years. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, after this, all pretense of this operation going well was fucked. Uh, <laughs> it turned into an open firefight at the, uh, at the checkpoint, but also there's thousands of, of cops and soldiers all throughout the city. And like, So this turn it... I feel like you need to emphasize that this is like the middle of Seoul. 
This isn't like, <laughs> yes, it's not like the White is. House is kind of like in its own little area and there's like fields and shit around it. Like there's a national mall. No, this is one of the most crowded areas in downtown Seoul. <laughs> it's surrounded by cops, yeah. who are all, cops and soldiers who are all looking for them. Yeah. So would, like when people hear gunfire. It would be like if this happened in Central Park in, in New York City. We're like, yeah, there is like a park area, but then around it is just the rest of the fucking city. Yeah, uh, and like so, like when people hear gunfire, they would hundred percent know what's going on. Like, yeah. oh, we found them. We have yeah. to go towards the gunfire. Uh, it's not like, oh, surprise, gunfire. It's like, oh, we found them. Right, um, right. So this turns into a completely wild three hundred and sixty degree firefight where nobody is aiming. <laughs> all of the commandos are armed with uh, submachine guns. And uh, all of the cops and soldiers are armed with M16s, and everybody is firing on fully automatic in every direction. Oh, God. Uh, because remember, they're dressed like South Korean soldiers. Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> it's a Spider-Man meme. They're just all pointing at each other. I wonder how many people just rounded the corner and were pointing guns at one another and had no idea. How, like it just fucking gunned each other down because. Like- Oh, if they redid Chill Me Though, though, like this should be done in some shitty spaghetti western, and that would be <laughs> fucking amazing. Uh, nobody's sure how many South Koreans were killed uh, <laughs> because the the government isn't talking. Uh, uh-uh. Probably for the reason we just talked about. Um, a there's a rough estimate. Yeah, um, I mean that happens. Like World War II is a good example. Uh, during the Battle of the Bulge, uh, the the Germans sent infiltration teams of. Um, people who spoke very fluent, unaccented English across the lines. Mm. Uh, and it didn't work great, but it didn't end with like a couple people getting shot for sounding kind of funny, <laughs> which, you know, America in the 40s, a Still lot of people happening. had accents. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, it doesn't happen in America <laughs> anymore. But... Or shoot somebody for sounding different than me. Or in Belgium. Um, whoops. Mm. Um, but eventually, so... The, the gun, the gunfight, uh, which at one point a civilian bus just kind of pulled up into the middle of it and got machine gunned as well. Oh God! <laughs> which I mean, that's got to be negligence on the on the part of the bus driver, right? Like, ah, firefight! I'm gonna go that way as I'm toting around like a dozen civilians in this fucking bus. Um, I mean, this the buses in Seoul will get where they want to be. Yeah, that's fair. No, no driver in in Seoul even slowed down in the middle of this. Like, fuck no. this shit! I have a place to be. <laughs> Um, I, I had a similar uh, situation occur in uh, in Kandahar when we got in a gunfight and people were just driving around it. Like, yeah. get out of here! I got a I got a fucking appointment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the most of Unit One Twenty Four were killed almost immediately, but some uh, escaped. Uh, one was captured, but managed to kill himself with a concealed hand grenade, which will become a common occurrence in this episode. Um, wow. Others <laughs> ran off into the mountains and had to be rooted out in small groups uh, by uh, South Korean and American soldiers. And by the end, 29 of the 31 men were killed. Uh, one was captured in South Korea, where he still lives. And I believe he became uh, uh, some kind of pastor. Uh, Pak J. Jong. That was I'm sure I'm pronouncing so bad. Incredibly wrong. Um, yeah, I, my, I'm sorry. It's been a while. My accent is not good. Um, <laughs> You're not he ordering cr- beer. You don't know how to say it. It's fine. <laughs> he made it back across the DMZ somehow. Where <laughs> it's one of those situations like I don't have to outrun the thousands of soldiers. Um, I just have to outrun the stupid people in my team who decide to stay in the mountains and fight. It's true. Uh, when he got back to North Korea, he very rightfully kind of became a hero. 
Um, he became a general and then head of various different departments of the government. And he is uh, reportedly a, one of a, a one of several people who are close friends with the entire Kim family, which explains why he's managed to survive for as long as he has. And why his um, like recollect recollection of what Unit One Twenty Four was like might be a little bit skewed, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, obviously, uh, having an enemy nation raid your capital, uh, wildly spraying automatic gunfire and grenades in every direction, and killing civilians, soldiers, and cops alike after a botch attempt to kill you, did not make Pak very happy. Um, so he ordered the South Korean military to start developing a retaliation plan. Uh, oh my god, we haven't even got to yet. Yeah, uh, this was under the direct command of the Korean Central Intelligence Agency, or the KCIA, uh, who took some time out of their busy schedule disappearing mm-hmm. labor activists and college students to put together a hit squad. Man, the only thing they hated more than college students was North Koreans. <laughs> Um, so you know how I said North Korea put their heads together and like we need to find the best of the best (laughs) the best soldiers we have no matter what like we have to put them in this squad because this job is going to be very very difficult yeah South Korea did not do that they did the Um, opposite yeah instead of dipping into the best of the Korean military or the rock military, they did They decided to do something else, which is very, very stupid. And that is recruit civilians, uh, which tells me they knew this group's entire mission was not only a death sentence, but completely unattainable and didn't want to waste any good soldiers. Oh on yeah. yeah. They didn't want them coming back. Yeah. Now they didn't just find any civilians. <laughs> um, they thought they would recreate something of the rock version of the Suicide Squad, also starring Jared Leto, uh, surprisingly <laughs> enough. Jared um, Leto and Scarlett Johansson are Korean prisoners. He did play a Japanese member of the Yakuza once um, in a terrible film. Oh, he, he was American in it, but he was Yakuza, okay. which would never happen. He was, an Ameri- he was an American POW who stayed in Japan at, after the end of the war and became Yakuza. Okay, sure. And I believe he became head of a Yakuza family. Um, yeah. So you it's, know what? It's he might be perfect bad. for this role. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, KCI agents combed South Korea's prisons looking for desperate men who would accept the mission. Uh, uh, their original plan was to find people who were facing the death sentence, uh, which in South Korea at the time. Plenty of was options. a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. Um, and return if they came back from the mission, which they wouldn't, they'd be given a pardon. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem was is that South Korean prisons were horrible. I don't know if they still are, or they're not at least this bad, but uh, torture and not a lot of food was very common. So most of these men were badly emaciated, unfit for military mm-hmm. duty. So they ran out of suitable prisoners pretty quickly. Uh, so recruiters had to uh, look elsewhere. They started throwing enough shit to the wall to see what stuck, uh, because they assumed they would find enough cold-blooded killers itching to get out of prison. Instead, they found the a lot of labor rights right? activists. <laughs> yeah, I'm a history major. <laughs> That's a death sentence. Um, and yeah. also, like you, you can't have so effectively is like ah the consequences of my own actions. Mm-hmm. Um, like the the prison system just churned people up. Uh, and there wasn't enough people that could actually fit the bare minimum of standards they had, which were very, very low. Uh, one of them was you had to look fit. Not that you had to be fit. You had just had to pass an eye test. Just eyeball it. It'll be fine. Yeah. 
so the the rest of the recruiters just decided um, to go out into the street and start looking for dudes who kind of look strong or in shape. <laughs> um, and uh, so there is a movie based on this we've talked about already called Shilmido. Uh, and it says that uh, it, it posits that all of the members of the team were death row inmates. Yeah. Um, that's not true. Okay. Uh, they were pretty much all just petty criminals. And uh, like one of the uh, the trainers who survived the mutiny said they were pretty much just drunk people who enjoyed getting in street fights. Uh, well, you know. But yeah. Now, if I was making the movie, I would also make it sound like they're all facing death row because that's way cooler. <laughs> Not like this guy shoplifted something. Walked around each one and they were in a fight. <laughs> Grab them both. Right. Which is just the natural state of being when you're in Itaewon <laughs> yeah, and that's drunk. really everybody in Itaewon. Um, so yeah, they went through the streets and just kind of picked out dudes they kind of thought were hot. Um, <laughs> We've all been uh, there. Yeah, I mean, who hasn't gone trolling for an assassination squad before? Uh, and if you're thinking that's a really bad way to recruit a highly trained assassination squad, you'd be right. Um now, the men who volunteered for the gig had no idea what they're volunteering for, yeah, but they I were pretty like excited. Volunteering is really like maybe not the word. <laughs> Coerced, certainly. Yeah. They weren't drafted. Um, though Somewhere that will become. Some of them absolutely did volunteer because they were promised effectively, you know, a golden ticket for the rest of their life should they sure. actually succeed. Not that not that they knew what they were succeeding in. Because right. they're not going to be like, hey, we're going to kill uh, Kim Jong uh, or Kim, Kim Il-sung Il-sung. in. Yeah. You son of a bitch. I'm in. <laughs> um, none of that. Um, it was like, hey, we're recruiting you for something very, very dangerous. Um, it's very stressful to serve your country. Uh, yeah. If you succeed, we'll give you like an incredible promotion within the military. You'll get to be one of the dudes that doesn't have to do anything anymore. Uh, huge amounts of money, dream jobs, all this stuff. Um, and you know, most of the people that they're recruiting are petty criminals. Who you know were shoplifting for food and money, or just dudes who happened to look decent. So you know they weren't rich people by any means. They this was one hundred percent something that they wanted to do until they knew what they were doing. Like, they had no idea what they what the reality of the situation was, which of course is part of the, right. the hook. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Like you told a bunch of enlisted assholes like in the U.S. that they were like, we'll promote you to like automatic e7 you never have to work another day in your life and you can get like you can get in with any defense contractor you want you just have to do this top secret mission they'd volunteer yeah and no we're not going to tell you what the mission is until you agree to do it and you're on this island and cannot escape yeah Yeah, like word yeah yeah so first they had to find a training spot uh for this top secret mission and they figured they had to pick a place that was so top secret north korean agents would never find it so they kicked these criminals and himbos off to a barren, <laughs> uninhabited island called Shilmido out in the Yellow Sea. Um, it's a pretty small island. And you know, I, from my understanding, it's actually accessible over land on certain parts of the tide. Um, but it's, it's, in, it's in the middle of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, nobody's going to accidentally find the training group on Shilmido Island. Uh, though th- Now it is apparently a, a tourist destination because of the movie, which is weird. Weird. Uh, and they, they, if you look it up, they hung up like pictures of the actors from the film and not the actual <laughs> people. That's very Korean. Yeah. Um, Fantastic. I think it's because the very record of those people's existence simply doesn't exist anymore. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, 
Now, once they're in the unit, uh, they were not under the command of the K- uh, KCA anymore. The training and guarding of these people, because they were pretty much in a prison, fell under the South Korean Air Force. Um, and the training would go on almost unimpeded for three years. The training oh. is not really well known, um, but we do know it's very hard. And if we understand what happened next, we can assume that it involved horrible physical abuse. Um and uh, you know other military type things like shooting, marching, hand to hand combat. Uh, remember, these weren't crack rock marines or whatever their commando right. forces going in for even harder training. They were just some dudes. And to start um, they for, like, didn't the fucking ground up. Yeah, and they they had not served their conscription period within the rock army. None of them had. Hmm. Um, so, which will become kind of ironic later. Hmm. Um, they did not have any basic understanding of military discipline or how a military functions. Uh, so they were pretty raw. So in order to instill this fear and discipline into them, uh, and recruits had a hard time following directions or hesitated when giving orders, they had to think of the most horrible way to grind that into them. And that is simply to shoot at them with a machine gun. Uh, yes. um, now, in the movie, this shows uh, them being like they're shot at their feet. Um, while on a boat, and that's not actually what happened. Seems they like were a bad just time to at. shoot at people's feet, <laughs> right? Um, they just got gunned down. Uh, oh my the, god! <laughs> just got shot in the fucking chest. How many people were they working with originally? Uh, the original group size is unknown, okay. um, but we do know it would eventually be whittled down to thirty-one for most of the time because they wanted the exact same oh number that god. the North Koreans is- sent after a pack. Oh, okay. All right. Fine. Sure. The aesthetic. It is would there. not. Yeah, it would not end with thirty-one though. Um, <laughs> on the first day alone, two men were killed uh, because they got shot by an angry guard. Jesus. Uh, they did not seem to have a problem following orders after that because you know they're no. afraid of getting shot at again. It's a motivator. Yeah, it would certainly make me shut up. <laughs> um, if that wasn't bad enough, uh, they were fed pretty much nothing but a thin rice gruel uh, and contaminated water. <laughs> like, cool. I know, I'm, I know, I'm laughing, but I'm laughing that like it all looks the this, same coming out as it going in. <laughs> it's so bad because like uh, one of the things that the South Korea, uh, the the North Korean survivor who resides in South Korea is that they said that the uh, once they were in um, Unit One Twenty Four, they were treated way better outside of really hard training because North Korea realized if we're going to beat the shit out of these guys day in and day out, we have to feed them very well. Right. Otherwise yeah. we're, n- we're not going to be able to continue to be able to beat the shit out of them. Uh, almost immediately South Korea's attempts uh, of coming up with their own unit. I think they call it a 684 um, was, was worse. They didn't even bother to feed them correctly. And then after three months, they stopped paying them. <laughs> it's just like, you say what you want about North Korea. They didn't, they didn't like entirely half-ass their assassination squad, whereas South Korea is just like, ah, fuck it. If North Korea can do it, how hard could it be? Yeah. Um, we don't need to pay these guys by any means. We don't even need to feed them. Um, Shoot at was, them a little bit. Yeah, and then at one point, a small group of men, I, depending on what you read, was it be two to four, snuck off the mm-hmm. island during low tide because you could walk back into Korea, apparently. Uh, and they gang raped a local woman. Uh, when they returned, they were all executed. Which fair Fine. enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine with that. That's I don't. Yeah. 
Um, that scene's in the movie. That scene is too long in the movie, just in case anybody's going to go watch it. Yeah, um, it's not great. Mm. Uh, a small side note here. A lot of these stories on uh, the Shilmido assassination squad come from surviving guards. Mm. As mysteriously, no official paperwork or reports survive regarding this unit within the South Korean mm-hmm. government. Uh, though the government has acknowledged what their mission was, what exactly happened on the island is kind of up for debate. Um, but it is common knowledge that corporal punishment is common within the rock military even today. Yeah. Uh, so back then, you can assume on what they were doing. Not to mention uh, the casual brutality of the government at the time as a whole. Uh, so the guards have no reason to make themselves sound worse when they talk about hitting people. Yeah, it was at least this bad. Yeah, um, though you can assume whatever they're willingly admitting to, it was worse than that. Mm. Um, and you can also, the guards rotated through. The unit did not. Um, so it also it could have something to do with like one group of guards was much harsher than the mm. from the next. Uh, it's hard to tell. Um, and, and now you're probably wondering, like, or assuming rather that because you're coming up with an assassination squad, much like the North Koreans, they're going to go through the best training in the Rock Army or the Rock oh, no, Air Force. No. And this, not even fucking remotely. Um, these trainers and guards were conscripts themselves, yep. um, and had very little training. Uh, one instance, like one of the survivors, um, he was off the island when the mutiny occurred. When he did a rotation through, he was he said he was 18 or 19. Um, and they just threw sergeant rank at him and sent him to the island to train people. And he's like, who the fuck was I to be training people? I had hardly been trained myself. Like These the- are the people that are training the highly sophisticated assassination yeah, squad. Yeah, it's a Stanford prison experiment, but like, we're going to send the results of it off into North Korea to assassinate a president. <laughs> I have no doubt these guys would have stepped on landmines and immediately died while trying to oh, infiltrate yeah. the border. Oh, yeah. Um, now, the missions also began to just change randomly. Um, the whole reason for the unit's existence was for the assassination of Kim Il-sung. But that began to fluctuate wildly as the KCIA tried to come up with new uh, missions for them to justify their existence, such as blowing up water stations that would flood entire cities. Okay. Um, so the unit would also start training for those missions on top of the possible assassination of Kim Il-sung, though none of these missions would ever take place. Um, A good reason for that is in the 1970s, relations between the two Koreas began to improve. So uh, suddenly it was a really bad idea to send an assassination squad turned mass urban area flood team (laughs) out into the country. Uh, Like that's bad for business. Uh, Like you you can't be buds with the government uh, or try to uh, make relations better like also we have a dedicated team of the people to kill you don't worry we won't use it unless you fuck up again <laughs> yeah Fine. it's it's a bad thing to be hanging over someone's head um and you know there's also another reason for it um the reason for this was the kca director who had been managing the entire plan from the very beginning was fired and replaced mm-hmm. um and the new guy had very little desire to carry out his predecessor's plans um one, if they failed, it fell on him. And if they succeeded, well, he didn't. He doesn't get to take any credit for that because he didn't come up with the plan. Uh, <laughs> also, the plan is bug fuck insane. Uh, so he he 
kind of is like, yeah, let's go ahead and hit the pause button on this yeah, yeah. murder squad we've built on this island. Keep training them and stuff, but we're never going to use them. It's fine. Yeah, and they this happened within, I believe, about a, a year and a half of being out on this island. Oh uh, so they just kept them there for another year and a half. Just didn't tell um, them either, I'm sure. No, of course not. Um, there's actually a very good chance that none of these guys knew their mission was to kill Kim Il-sung. At any point? Probably not. It's hard to tell because they're all dead. But, well, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the trainers probably didn't know either because right. these are just normal dudes. They're, they're not KCI agents training these guys. It's just some Air Force private or just, whatever. At some point, somebody at 3 a.m. pulled you off the street when you were drunk and fighting a person. It was like, here, I promise you, you're going to have a great job. You're going to have career, like career stability. It's going to be fine. And then three years later, you're eating the same gruel and you still have the shits from the contaminated water and nobody's told you what you're supposed to be doing. Right. Uh, like, because remember, the, the, the North Korean unit had been training for two years before they right. ever figured out what they were doing. Right. So there's a good chance they were in that phase where they haven't pulled the trigger on killing Kim Il-sung. Uh, so there's no reason to tell them yet. Right. They would just be like a, an intelligence problem at that point. Yeah, and I know I, I have a feeling they knew they were some kind of hit squad because like the aesthetic of the whole unit was like they had they had a signs that apparently are still on the island of just like skulls and crossbones everywhere, and one of the guards insisted they are actual human bones. They don't look like you. they look much bigger. Uh, oh, there was that part where but, they kept like having them aim at like dummies that had Kim Il Sung's face taped over it. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was a very good chance these guys had no idea what their actual mission was. Oh, my God. Um, but there's some obvious problems with this whole pause button uh, that, that hey the Joe, government can, pressed. Can we pause? I really yeah, you can't. Um, I drank too much tea. <laughs> just cancel a unit's existence. And then you say, you know, don't let them go home. Because remember, they're not in the military. But that's kind of what happened. Uh, these guys had been, I guess, highly trained for years now. During, during this time, they were unable to contact the outside world in any way, even through censored mail, oh. um, which is fucking rough. Um, they, they, it's not like they could take leave. They weren't going to go home. They, if, now, here's the, here's the huge bitch of it. If they just had said no and then got conscripted, they would have been home years ago. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I believe the, the Korean conscription time is two years for men. Right now, it, it depends on the branch you join. Like, it can be as little as 14 months. Yeah, these guys have been on this island for fucking three years. Yeah, what the fuck? Without pay or benefits. Or even being able to send a letter home. Yeah. Um, Was there, like, were there any reports of, like, self-harm? Not that I could see. I mean, there's no reports at all. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I wouldn't, I mean, if there was suicides, I would not be shocked. Right. Um. Because, I mean, it seems like you, they have loaded weapons a lot. Yeah. Not to uh, mention they could just throw themselves off of cliffs into the ocean. That's like, that's a problem in regular militaries when you're allowed to, like, I don't know, talk to your family. And what's crazy is, like, even this, uh, even the Rock Army has problems with people snapping and gunning oh, yeah. people down oh, yeah. uh, because of the harsh treatment that they uh, are they're given. Um, this, I mean, this eventually happened as well. But, uh. you know, it, it didn't for three years. Nice. Um I mean, they're being fed dog shit. Um, they're not being paid. Uh, and they, they know that their only ticket home is a big mission. They don't know what the big mission is, right. probably. Um, and they realize that now it's not happening. Uh, they haven't been told in exact terms that, 
like, hey, it's all off, but they're not getting a mission. Uh, they're not being told the mission's canceled. They're just being kept perpetually on this island. They might as well be back in prison. Uh, but they slowly realize that their ticket home is now gone. And this is where history gets kind of muddy on what happened next. In the movie Show Me Do, uh, it frames it as the recruits of the commando team overhearing guards talking about how they now have to execute the assassination squad because they know too much. Uh, or maybe because they trained a highly talented team of petty criminals and just unleashing them back into Seoul sounded like a supremely bad idea. Uh, the other story is told by a surviving guard uh, who was shot in the neck uh, during the uprising. They simply had become depressed and thought yeah. that the Air Force or the KCA was never going to let them leave the island. That uh, sounds and way just more likely. That sounds very likely. Uh, and to be totally clear, nobody has any idea what which it was. The only word that we have is from guards who probably aren't going to admit they were going to execute people. And right. uh, like I said, no records exist of what decision was actually made. Though, we do have confirmation from one guard uh, that he may have openly talked about executing people. Uh, one guard named Kim uh, Ye Tai, who I'm sure I'm butchering that wow. name as well, uh, may have caused everything. <laughs> now, Kim admitted one day in a fit of frustration while talking with other guards that he, that he thought was in privacy that they should just kill all the recruits and start over. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, he thought this is in complete privacy, but I mean. On a tiny island with only other, like only the prisoners around him. Now, this is two months before the uprising began. And don't worry, Kim was safely off the island in a different place of duty when it took place. That's one of those, Uh, like, I feel like we've all had that moment where we were off duty or we had, like, changed commands or whatever we'd PCS. And then we heard about some really shitty thing that happened. And we had that, like, oh, was I? Did I do that? I probably didn't do that. It's probably fine. I'm not responsible. I had, uh, so I have a different kind of similar circumstance um i was stationed at fort hood um for entirely too long uh but also during my first deployment to afghanistan was in uh 2009 to 2010 and um i so before you deploy to fort hood you have to go through um a certain center processing center where you get shots do all your paperwork whatever uh finalize all that shit uh before you go uh, and then three months later, another unit, cause like they just smash units into this place. Cause they're just rotating so many people through another unit was going through the same thing. When another guy that was processing through there, uh, named Malik Hassan opened fire with handguns, uh. uh, and killed a dozen people or so. Uh, so like, that's one of those like, man, I dodged that bullet. I'm really glad that my duty brought me to Afghanistan to escape a mass murder. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> like, I'm sure Kim was really guy, happy that he like fucking rotated out before the mutiny. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Is he like got duty somewhere else uh, instead? And he's like, "Whoo, that was a close one." Um, because the vast majority of guards die, uh, and it sounds like they would have made sure he was one of them. Sounds like it. Was, yeah, <laughs> if he was openly talking about killing them. Um, I mean, I'm willing to bet that maybe it's a little bit of both. Maybe someone overheard Kim. Maybe they didn't. Soldiers also have a tendency to start rumors that quickly mm. spread like wildfire. Oh, yeah. Um, I can imagine that a rumor that all the guards might kill us 
in a country in a time where that sort of thing was actually very common combined right. with a hopeless situation uh, made that kind of rumor very believable. Oh, yeah. And if they're already trapped there, they have no information about what the fuck's going on. Nobody's training them to, like, attack fake Kim Il-sungs anymore. Why yeah, not? they're just, like, you know? existing. Yeah. Why not latch on to the rumor that they're all going to get murdered? Yeah, I mean, and it's like, I don't think they thought their plan was going to work. But, mm-hmm. I mean, their other option was sit on this island until we die. Right. At least that's what they thought. Uh, they didn't think they had a way out. It doesn't sound yeah. like they did. No, probably not. Um, either way, on the morning of August 23rd, 1971, the 24 remaining recruits who had not died in wow. training or otherwise killed used their commando train to raid the armory and then turned on their trainers and guards, shooting, stabbing, and beating them to death. The commander of the unit very clearly, uh, very clearly had pissed off a lot of people because mm. he got brained repeatedly with a hammer. Oof. Oof. Yeah, claw side up. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's personal. Uh, you're probably wondering, like, you know, these guys didn't get, like, the greatest commando training. So how the fuck did they sneak up on uh, a cadre of guards who had trained them? They're at least equal in ability. Um, the entire training staff had spent the rest of the night beforehand getting shit-faced. Uh, oh, and yeah. so most of them were still drunk or hungover uh, and did not defend themselves, really. That's, of that's the, all you need. Yeah, I mean, and... Uh, one of the people, um, I believe it was the same guy who said that he was like 19. What the fuck am I doing training people said that there was a very obvious, um, tension between the two sides where the new, uh, guards rotating in quickly realized that the char- their charges were much more highly trained than they were. Uh-huh. And at any given time they could just get fucking annihilated, uh, because, uh, the guards didn't stay there the entire three years. Right. They rotated in and out. So these people having to live in the the most adversity that anybody has in the in the Rock Army at the time or Air Force for that matter, who have been constantly getting the shit kicked out. I'm like, imagine you're you're fresh out of basic training and yeah. A school or whatever. Like, guard these highly dangerous prisoners. I mean, that it's all like have automatic weapons. It's that fucking Bane line from The Dark Knight Rises, right? Where it's like. <laughs> I was born in the darkness. I was born in Shilmido. You've only mm-hmm. adopted it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a good chance like that even if the guards were completely sober and armed, they would still be fucked. Yeah. Um, it would also be terrifying and, uh, if they're a bunch of 19-year-olds and the guys that they've recruited were just like the only people they could find out in the streets who looked kind of tough. And then they've spent the last three years getting the like the shit beat out of them. Like... Yeah, your little seventeen-year-old very, very tough for dying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would be scary. <laughs> oh, I'd be fucking terrified. Yeah, bunch of high school graduates getting like their shit rocked by these like essentially prisoners. Even if they weren't like originally prisoners, they've been kept as prisoners for three years. Yeah, that's like uh, let's take these high school graduates with eight weeks of training and make them guard like San Quentin prison. Yeah. Also, all of the prisoners have handguns. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Good. Good luck. Good idea. Also, you have to train them to be better with those guns. Yeah. You have to be on the range with them every day. Uh, one of the survivors, um, a guy named Yang Dong Su, wow. thought that um, the the island had come under attack by North Koreans. And before he could react or grab a weapon, he got shot in the neck. Uh, and in order to escape the the training, the recruits who are now on a warpath, he had to throw himself off of a cliff and play Jesus. dead under some rocks. <laughs> Quick thinking. Um, 
Now, most of what we know from the actual events of the mutiny come from Yang. Uh, who claims that the unit wanted to go to the Capitol to address their grievances with President Pack <laughs> directly. Um, they just so to me, this means they wanted to kill the president. No, 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 no. It's like Martin Luther. They're going to nail up all their issues they have. They're just going to nail uh, one of their trainers to the door of the Blue House. Like, fuck this guy. <laughs> uh, this meant that an o- only a few years after North Korea sent an assassination team after President Pack, his own assassination team was also now coming for him, too. Hell yeah. It's efficiency. <laughs> Kim Il-sung hits him with the Uno reverse card. Um, <laughs> and uh, so this mutiny was perfectly timed. Uh, apparently, they got monthly resupplies using a boat. Mm. Um, so the boat was already pulled up because that's what Yang was out there doing, was directing the resupply efforts. So these heavily armed men who have assault rifles, submachine guns, and and uh, grenades and stuff um, hijack the boat and float back towards the mainland of Seoul. Um, no undercover agents like the North Koreans; these guys were not. Yeah. Um, they they were wearing full uniforms, strapped to the gills with weaponry, <laughs> and stormed the beach in, in broad daylight in full uniform and uh, hijacked a civilian bus. <laughs> Um, I can see no, why the movie Shilmido took this in a different direction. <laughs> yeah, these guys are very obviously desperate. Um, they didn't like. It, I think they planned this. Like, it seems like there it wasn't a spur of the moment thing, but they also probably didn't expect to get off the island, right? You know, what I mean, it's like right. the dog caught the car tire now doesn't know what to do. Well, they've also like they've been off the peninsula, like off the main peninsula for three years. Things change. Yeah, they had not set foot back at well, with the exception of the people who escaped. Uh. And you know, victimize a local woman. Uh, nobody, and those guys are all dead now. Yeah. So, like, Uh-oh. nobody had made it back to the mainland. And so, like, these guys actually stole a boat, and they're like, "Oh, oh, fuck! What now? <laughs> uh, fuck it, let's steal a bus because uh, like yeah. we're not going to be able to march overland into Seoul, right? Well, we can't like, split a- up. Obviously, we need one vehicle big enough for our entire school trip. Yeah. Also, the they let the. I mean, to their credit, they didn't purposely target any innocent civilians. They let the bus driver go, who immediately went and told the cops, like a whole bunch of people in uniform just stole my fucking bus. I would have um, kept him with us. He's yeah, a South that's Korean what I bus done. driver. He's got the skills. Yeah, I mean, was, oh, they figured out how to drive the bus. So get, I guess one of them maybe did that as a civilian or something. Oh, that's possible. Uh, or maybe their high, their highly specialized training involved learning how to drive a civilian bus wildly <laughs> through the streets of Seoul. <laughs> you know, just in case they need to like hijack a North Korean bus. Yeah. Uh, so now in the bus, uh, they started driving towards the Blue House themselves. Uh, and I assume the guards around the Blue House are now highly sick of this shit happening. <laughs> uh, like fuck again. Um, but they did not get as far as the North Koreans. Uh, word traveled quickly that a heavily armed bus full of people speeding towards the president's house uh, was, was a, a bad thing. And uh, soon the entire Ministry of Defense is on alert. Uh, the defenders of the Blue House were warned of another attack. And now, uh, once again, hundreds and thousands of of, uh, of cops and soldiers flooded the streets of the capital again. Um, now, nobody had any idea who this, these guys were. This is probably the weird part. Uh, besides of all the other weird shit that's happened so far. Remember, unit, uh, the unit on Shomido was top fucking secret. Only the people that rotated onto the island and the KCIA even knew they existed. Oh, yeah. 
so all the cops and soldiers responding to this just assumed there was another gr- armed group of North Korean insurgents yeah. or or assassination squad or whatever. Yeah. Um. So nobody had any idea who they were. Uh, and th- like the th- the thing that crosses my mind is even if they succeeded, say they twisted metal their way through the city <laughs> of Seoul and actually got into the Blue House, it's been three years. There's a like a ninety nine percent chance the president has no fucking idea who they are. Right? Yeah, he probably doesn't know what's going on. It was just yeah, some paper like, he signed three years ago approving it. And never heard anything about it again. Yeah. Like, sir, you're who now? <laughs> I would honestly like I would. I imagine most of the people guarding the area, especially if they were the same people who had to deal with the first assassination attempt, were just like, oh, the North Koreans have gotten a lot better at accents. <laughs> yeah, except they didn't even attempt to do any like down low slick shit like slipping through. They literally just like pedal, pedal to the metal and floored it in a bus through the city. Um, this, of course, once again, turned into a running gun battle <sighs> between the bus and various army uh, units and cops. Uh, effectively just firing wildly at a speeding bus with civilians getting caught in the midst of it all. Uh, eventually, their battle bus was ground to a halt by machine gun fire as their tires exploded off of it. But it's like you say battle bus, but also all of the buses have like doilies over all of the seats and they're the most like, <laughs> like fucking grandma buses No, this ever. bus meant business. They had to remove all... <laughs> no doilies. They had to remove all a the doilies doily. first. Comrades, we mean business. Remove the doilies. That, see, that's how the KCA knew they meant business, is like yeah. all the doilies yeah. get thrown out of the window. <laughs> Just doilies uh, streaming it, out. Doilies and bullets. They, they, they ran up the colors of war. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, not, not to make the, the Shilmido mutineers sound great or anything, but like they're they are absolutely blasting machine gun fire out the, out the windows of this bus as they go. Sounds kind of so, rad. <laughs> It's rad. It's fucking baller as fuck, but also they killed so yeah, many people. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, but their bus is ground to a halt, and I think most of them probably assumed what was going to happen next to them, so they blew themselves up with hand grenades. All, what? Um, yeah. All of them? So they tried. Uh, okay. They didn't have enough hand grenades to go around at this point because they had thrown so many out the window wildly. Gotta hug your battle buddy. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably what happened. Um oh. But when cops and soldiers stormed the bus, they found four wounded men still alive and quickly made them vanish. (laughs) Their names were never published. Oh, they definitely just like everybody attacking this bus 100% thought it was North Koreans up to the very end. Yeah, they they did. And they thought it was like weird. They're wearing Air Force uniforms, but whatever. They're wearing army uniforms last time. Yeah. Um, And official reports ruled with that. They said that they are sold the the. Shilmido mutineers were simply armed communist agents and never spoke of the four men who survived or the team at all. None of the dead families were no, uh, notified of what happened, and most of them probably had no fucking idea that their loved ones were ever involved in the military. Yeah, yeah, they probably thought they just got disappeared by like the KCIA at some point. Officially, everyone involved disappeared from existence. Like it's literally the Stalin picture where the guy <laughs> vanishes next to him. Except it's like uh, one of those like boot camp graduation photos but the only people only things left are the guidons floating in air <laughs> what really happened next to the four wounded men is that they were tried in a secret military tribunal and executed within the year the remains of all men involved were then yeeted into the sea never oh to be God. spoken of again <laughs> just like-, like just like the cartoon's like well that solves that problem <laughs> 
according Nothing to, to so after here. this um the the, the democratization of of the, of the Republic of Korea uh, came with a uh, truth commission when it came to um, investigating a lot of shit that happened like this mm. and to to include most of the KCIA's existence in their vast quantities of crimes against humanity. Um, but the Defense Ministry Truth Commission uh, acknowledged in the early 2000s that they're the reason why we don't know enough about this is because the Defense Ministry burned all of the paperwork immediately afterwards. It's a classic so, Cold War move. Yeah, so we're literally just trying to piece together what happened from the two people or the four people that still are, are alive. Because you know the people who immediately responded to this thought they were saving their country from North yeah. Koreans again. <laughs> right. It's, no, it's so, remarkable that there's like, as much as it's hearsay and oral history, like it's remarkable that there's this much out about it at all. Yeah, um, and it almost is entirely due because of this movie. Yeah, um, sh- which is incredible. Like, I can't think. Like, I cannot imagine a movie that's had such a positive impact on, um, you know, transparency and governance. Yeah. Um, now, like the 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 Defense Ministry Truth Commission um, happened before the movie came out. But it was, you know, very surface layer stuff. Uh, though a small side note here, if it makes anybody feel better, eight years later, someone would finally succeed in killing Pak Chung Hee, <laughs> and that person was none other than the director of the KCIA himself, who shot him in the face a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, and then he himself was also shot in the face within a year. Oh yeah, <laughs> wild time. Uh, the mutiny story does not end there, however. Uh, South Korea has undergone a lot of changes since the 70s, and in 2003, the film Shilmido was released, which dramatized the events of the mutiny, though it is also one of the best sources of information on it. <laughs> it, is, it is both inaccurate, but also the one of the only sources on this incident, because, again, the government destroyed all the paperwork. Um, it is mostly correct, though. Um for the vast majority of South Korea, this is the first time they've ever heard of the events and the film. The film's popularity actually forced the government to not only admit the whole thing happened, but by 2006, they informed the families of those involved what had really happened to their loved ones. That's that, incredible. I, I see you requested the remains. Bad news. Uh, uh. Well, been to the beach lately. <laughs> by 2010 the rock government admitted that they lied uh and had violated the men's most basic human rights and paid out over 300 million dollars in damages to the surviving families of the men involved though they still have not published who they were um yeah, yeah that's uh the shilmido mutiny uh or incident if you will it's it, it's kerfuffle. it's a thing <laughs> the bus kerfuffle <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, so I've seen the movie. It's been a while, but I've watched it and it oh, it definitely highlights how poorly they were treated and how ridiculous the whole thing was. But it makes I mean obviously it's a movie, right? So it makes them seem a lot more heroic. It definitely paints them as all like, oh, they're death row inmates and whatever. And I think it I think it makes it seem like they knew what they were getting recruited for. So like, oh, so you they're on death row, but they're still good because they want to kill Kim Il sung and that's noble. And then I want right. to say it ends with them getting on the boat and implies that they might have gotten away or that the boat sank or something. I don't think it ends with the bus chase, but I could be misremembering. Really? That's a really interesting part to leave out. I could um, be wrong. It's been a long time. I tried to watch it before we recorded this, but it's not available on any streaming platform. Um, so if you want to watch it, 
Uh, you can pay a lot of money for a p- copy of it on the internet, which I'm not going to do. Or you can pirate it, which I will probably do. Uh, <laughs> um, now, Sarah, we do a thing on the show called Questions from the Legion. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you'd like to ask a question from the Legion, donate a dollar, get access to our Patreon or Discord, and uh, ask us random questions, which we can answer at the end of episodes. Uh, now, this will be the second episode that comes out in the year of probably equal shit, 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one will be part four of our Khmer Rouge series. So this will be the first question from the Legion that we have answered the new year. So that's something that you get to be a part of. Congratulations. I'm sorry. Oh, thanks. Now this one is, uh, is going to be kind of rough. Can you tell us a bright spot from 2020? Literally anything uh, that was personally cool for you or something that made you feel hopeful for the future in general? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, wow. They're really trying to make us feel better with these questions, aren't they? I mean, I I try not to make them heavy. Yeah. <laughs> I try to pick out the chillest ones. That- I mean, we did just talk about four people being executed. So you got to oh. bring some levity to the situation. Back before it was really bad, I graduated from college and there was... Right up until I spilled wine all over my laptop during the virtual graduation <laughs> ceremony, I did feel like things were looking up. That's solid. Yeah, that was June. There was a lot a lot of the year left. You know, actually going with that theme, um, my third book came out this year in August. I'm very proud of it. It's the longest book I've ever written. Um, I, th- I, I was very, very... I felt very, very good about my book. And then a couple months later, my publisher went under. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's bittersweet. I love those guys a lot. Uh, but I do have another publishing agreement. So, like, that's another good thing I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to. It makes me look forward to 2021 because I love writing. Um, uh, so, shout out to my, no co- my new coworker, Lou Diamond Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> what a year. Uh, right? It's been fucking weird. Um, yeah, that is that is our episode. Sarah, thank you for joining us, as Thanks always. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, and until... Next time, uh, don't start an assassination squad uh, to infiltrate North Korea. Or if you do, don't don't make it last for three years before they like murder everybody. Yeah, short term, short term assassination squads. Short term consensual assassination squads. There we go. (laughs) Later. (laughs) Bye.